Welcome back to the Blindside Rewind. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Timmerman. I'm joined as always by my buddy, Justin Baxley. Justin, how is it going, my man? Good, man. Good, man. We're wrapping up some uh, fancy football drafts, you know, specifically one you and I are in together. And um, that's pretty much been kind of life the last few days is knocking out these last couple of fancy football drafts before we head into the new NFL season. Uh, still celebrating uh, my dog's win over your, your Tigers. Uh, on Saturday Listen, night. we didn't have to talk about that. That's not Survivor related. You know, there's dogs and tigers personality-wise in Survivor. So that sounds like something you made up. Just I to, did. That just happened. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't enjoy that. Um, and I, I didn't vote for it. Uh, that wasn't there was in a the red discussion. Tribe and an orange tribe in this season, and there you have. Uh, whatever whatever i'm I'm not enjoying this podcast anymore anyway if this is your first time joining us uh that normally doesn't happen and i'll be i'll be editing that out when when i go to put this episode up so it doesn't matter anyway i uh i'm not gonna do that i opened my beer early tonight so i didn't get the nice crispy can pop but i'm drinking a new belgium uh voodoo ranger v2k uh if you are this is one, you know, a lot of times when I talk about beers that I'm having on here, it's, it's something that I found at our local beer store. It's it's something that's a little bit more smaller, uh, smaller breweries, some things that might not be able to, you might not be able to find. This is more of what I would call a, New Belgium is a, a high level, a high level craft. I mean, it's it's still not your, your Budweiser, your Sam Adams, but um it is one you can get at Kroger. Uh, the Voodoo Ranger series is one. It's mostly IPAs. It may all be IPAs. And there are some really good beers in that. There, in fact, there's one that just came out. Uh, it, again, it was out this time last year. It's uh, Atomic Pumpkin. It's a spicy pumpkin ale. And it's if you're into spice in your beer, it's a really good beer. And you can get it for like 10 bucks for a six-pack at Kroger. So, um New Belgium is is one of those really solid breweries that if you're if you're really wanting to get into something that beyond your Budweisers, beyond your your Bud Lights, New Belgium's a good place to start. And the Voodoo Ranger series is good. Is that the Astral Brewery? Are they up in? Um, I believe so. I mean, like half the breweries in the world are in Asheville, so it could be. Let me look. Yeah, I think it's either Asheville or the uh, Brevard area. Nope, this one's well. It's it's two. They're they're brewed. New Belgium is brewed in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Asheville, North Carolina. So there we go. I knew it was one of the two. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, there it's a really good brewery that they make Fat Tire. They make a couple that you've seen yeah. in your in in your rotations. Um, but yeah, the the Voodoo Ranger series, especially if you like IPAs, there's a new one every you know six or seven weeks or so. They have a new one in that series. So anyway, this is the latest one. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're just now joining us, we're watching through Blood versus Water, Survivor Season 27. Um, and <laughs> we realized last week that we really need to pick it up because the new season, 41, is coming soon. If you listen to our last episode, and you should, we did our, our, our fantasy draft for the, the season. Mm. And we're looking, we're looking forward to that. But we I'm not feeling to... good about my fantasy draft, by the way. Just to touch on that <laughs> real quick. Uh, yeah, so it, it's kind of those videos that they're rolling out, and I don't feel good about any of my picks right now. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I don't feel good about your picks either. Um, Thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going like, to say the, that. The but... first thing, like the first thing that really threw me was like, 
I felt really good about the Ricard pick. And they posted his first. Like, that's the first one. So, yeah. Robert posted it. And I'm like, well, he ain't winning. Because you don't post the winner first, right? Like, that's the. That's I mean, the I don't know. I haven't. I haven't paid attention to, to when they post what videos, so well, I don't know. I don't either, but like I feel like the the general rule would be like I wouldn't post the winner as my first video out. Like, well, but then, feels- but then, if if that is the thing to make you feel better, if that is the thing, <laughs> and people and people have picked up on it, that's an easy thing to shake up. You know, that's an easy yeah, thing. I guess. All, all it takes is one time of maybe he's not the winner, but all it takes is one time that. Well, they posted that Ricard guy, and remember, he was he was final he was final three, and and came one vote from winning or whatever. So I, that would be an easy thing for them to throw off. Yeah, but yeah Ricard was your, one. Another one of your picks that Sydney, yeah, <laughs> Sydney was one that we like you you picked her, and I had been thinking about it, but I just wasn't sure. And then I saw her video, and I was like, "Who boy?" Yeah, I feel like she dodged a lot of the bullets, man. She's a goner. Um, yeah, but you, I really wanted dodge the major bullets in my opinion. I haven't watched a ton of the videos, but I watched those two, and I just knew, like, yep. And I already felt like I had some volatile people uh, anyway with De- De- Deshaun Stevenson, maybe De- Deshaun is rad, D rad, D rad, devious D rad. Uh, Deshaun Radner is that his name? Yeah, now I'm gonna have to like look that. it up. Now I'm gonna have to Deshaun look it up. Stevenson is probably a basketball player that I'm thinking about. Or a football player you've drafted yeah. in uh, fantasy football. <laughs> That's also possible, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like that, There were already some volatile picks in there, and I just feel way worse about my picks after seeing that stuff come out. But we say that to say, go check out our last episode. That's probably one of my favorite episodes we've done. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun to do, and we're excited about season uh, 41 that's fixing to drop in September 22nd. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So we say all that to say that we, we did that episode and then I started doing some math and Justin started doing some, some math and we were counting episodes and we realized we have really got to pick it up. Uh, so in the last week we've watched three episodes of blood versus water episodes, six, seven, and eight. If you're following along at home and if you are, I appreciate that. And I'm just going to run down what kind of goes on because we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to run down, uh, the basic action of the episodes, who who got sent to Redemption Island, who got sent home, and then we got some broader themes that we want to talk about. So in episode six, uh, episode five ended with Laura M. being voted off of the Returners tribe. And so she goes into a Redemption Island challenge against Brad and John, and Laura M. just crushed them. It's a puzzly, puzzly puzzle. Um kind of challenge and she wins it pretty pretty easily and then john takes out brad so brad goes from really within a couple episodes goes from running the show in his tribe to completely out um and that's going to be a a key theme that we're going to we're going to touch on here in a little bit and then the there is a um let's see yeah there's a tribe swap so they go from having returners and Newbies to a mixed up tribe where the Galang tribe becomes Kat, Katie, Laura B, Monica, Tina, and Vetus. So five women and a man. And the new Tadana becomes Eris, Caleb, Sierra, Jervis, Hayden, and Tyson. So five women and a, or five men and a, and a woman. Justin, I am not a huge fan of 
I feel like the tribe swaps should be that's one thing that I would like for that to be a little more scripted and balanced. I, it, it ended up working out for the girl and the guy in this situation. But how do you feel about that? I, I just I'm I'm not crazy about people that well, get they get because we saw it in China. Uh, some some of the tribe swaps when when it just feels like a really bad break for somebody that's really established their game. Well, that's the thing is you definitely when you hit a tribe swap, you you have some folks that you know otherwise could be winners. Um, but the tribe swap hits and it absolutely destroys their game. They end up getting sent out in the first five or six episodes now instead of potentially making it all the way to the end. But what I'll say is that I guess my problem with this season was just the how late the swap was. Yeah. Right? So, like, they had the swap in six, mm-hmm. merge at eight. Yes. They, they really and only had – after the swap, they had – tribe, True tribals? Yeah. And see, for me, I think a tribe swap, there should be at least three three tribals um, with a tribe swap. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe maybe some other folks watch Survivor a lot more hardcore than I do that have mapped out theories on this. But I think that, especially like early, like when we see that, that uh, the newbie tribe is just getting absolutely destroyed through the first four or five episodes, like... You, you probably could have swapped after the third episode, right? Um, yeah, it was pretty clear that returners. And we talked we talked about that. It was pretty clear that returners had a pretty heavy advantage. And it, it, right, and to that point, personally, I would have liked to have seen some of the other loved ones get to play with one another more. Yeah, and so I think swapping at four, like after the fourth episode or or the fourth tribal, I guess because you have one two, three, and then that, that fourth episode, that's what the fourth episode, somewhere in there, maybe an episode or two early is what I'm getting at, where you get to see maybe Monica and Brad play together. You get to see that kind of play out. I would love to have seen that. Um, you think to see maybe Jervis have to work with Brad would have been really fun to watch. Like, I just think there were some, some really cool storylines that we kind of missed out on because we waited to do the swap until two episodes before the merge. And like that also doesn't give you a ton of time to really build a ton of relationships in the tribe swap before the merge. And it ends up resulting, I think in something like this, where it was super unbalanced girls and guys. And some of that's because Brad's tribe kept taking out, like it was like a girl for the first three tribals. And then obviously John and Brad go, but like, there was it was pretty heavy in, in that regard, and so I think really for me, if I were doing a trial stuff, I'd have probably pushed it up two two episodes earlier. You end up getting you get the newbies getting to play it out through the first three episodes. They get dominated, and then it's like all right, time to time to give them a little bit of a life raft here, but also just to see how some of those folks get to interact with one another. And then you've got basically episodes five, six, seven, and then eight going into the merge, um, which I think is a, more than enough time for you to have built bonds on both sides and give yourself the chance at the merge to, to have really solidified a group that you're going to start voting with. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So we have that tribe swap and then there's a, you know, survivory challenge. There's uh, 
swim out in the ocean, untie a gate, retrieve a fish trap. Um, then there's a puzzle. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and in that challenge, Laura B and Tina for the um, the one tribe, <laughs> Galong, Galong. They just forgot to get the trap. They unlocked it, forgot to get it. That's important. And in the end, their tribe loses. Cat ends up going home. We'll get more into why later. And we move on to the next episode. Cat goes into the um, Redemption Island duel against John and Laura M. John cruises. Laura beats Cat. And we saw some weird interactions between Cat and Hayden. Cat has some real <laughs> severe insecurities that made it really uncomfortable. She is somehow convinced that Hayden is going to leave her because she has done poorly at Survivor. Uh, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. Some abandonment stuff there. And I don't want to get into the psychology of all of it, but like that, that I felt for her, like as a person. Like, it got real uncomfortable, you know. It, it just it didn't. Did, it, but like, I felt for her mental health at that point because I right. know what it's like to deal with some abandonment stuff like that. And you just sit there and you you feel for her because it's playing out on national television, right? Like, yeah. And you just you you feel for, and to me, it really hammers home that these are people. Like, then like you can dislike Brad Culpepper, you can dislike Cat, or you know all these different folks. You can have a dislike for them as a player, but they're all people just like you and I are. And to see them have, I don't want to say like, those are legitimate fears for people that deal with those kind of mental health um, stuff, like mental health. I don't want to say problems, but like those people that deal with those mental health issues, like that's for them, that's legit like feeling of, of abandonment and feeling like, you know, some level of like, imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it. And like, you just really feel for those folks because there's a lot more to this game than just you go out and you, you dislike the person because they're acting a certain way. Like you don't know what these folks are going through mentally during this time. So I thought it was an uncomfortable thing to watch as a viewer, but like you just feel for her as a person and hope that she's able to get some work through things like that. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely a fair way to put it. Um, yeah. So John and Laura take cat out. Cat goes home. Uh, and I'm just going to skip over the fact that the people are giving out immunity idol clues at the end of all of these, because they just all end up going in the fire. Um, that, that was one aspect of this season that really didn't really wasn't thought well out or well thought out that they gave these idol clues in a very public fashion. And it became pretty clear, pretty fast that those should just go in the fire because that's what's happening. Um, then we have an obstacle course, a reward slash immunity challenge and the, who won? Tadana won again and we go back to the Galong camp and Laura B gets voted out. Not going to get too much into that now. Laura B goes to Redemption Island. And then we have what we learn is our last Redemption Island challenge. Uh, the winner is going to, the winner is going to come back into the game. The two losers are going home. It is Laura M, John, and Laura B. And it is one of the more common survivor challenges. It's the, the pole where you, you, you've got various footholds 
going up and down the pole. The pole's about the size of a about the the girth of a telephone pole or one one of the one of the rural telephone poles, I guess is what I'm talking about, the wooden ones. Um and it's probably what what would you say, ten, twelve feet tall? Yeah. And you've got various footholds. John has a hard time with it. This is one that is really I don't want to say unfair, but it does not cater to larger people. Um, both in the fact that you're supporting more weight, but also it's uh, less. Perc- if you if you're a large person, less of a lower percentage of your foot is being able to fit in that in those gaps. So it's it, it. I thought this was kind of a tough challenge to to have at that point. I feel like at that point there should have been maybe a little bit more of a balanced challenge. But mm-hmm. anyway. Laura just kind of hangs out on the pole like like she lives there, and she ends up winning. Laura M, that is. Laura B and John go home. And I then we... I, I was going to cut in real quick. I personally love this challenge for the end of Redemption for, for before the merge. Because you got people like John who have been out on Redemption for quite a while. And they don't show it a lot, but I imagine that Redemption is very similar to the conditions of like edge of extinction in terms of like, you got to go get your own food. And there's a lot of like, I, I it personally feel like it'd be more exhausting to be out there on redemption Island. And at least that's the impression that I've kind of gotten. Um, because Rupert, I go back to what Rupert was doing in the first episode. He just laid there and like, was like, I'm gonna let Candace go catch our food. I'm not moving. Like I'm not putting that energy out there. And so like, you have all these puzzles. So you got folks like John and Laurie M who are super confident coming into this uh, last one, right? Because you're expecting there's been like six duels now and all six of them have been puzzles. And John and Laurie M yeah. dominate the puzzles. And then all of a sudden you walk in there and you look up and your body's exhausted from the, you know, the 12, 15, 20 days, whatever it is at this point of sitting over on redemption and then you've got to hang on to that pole for as long as you poss- humanly possibly can. I just think it's the perfect ending to the the first half of Redemption Island Duels. I do like it for that. I mean, it definitely, you know, it's definitely a, a, a big endurance. Just who who wants it more? Um, yeah. But I would like to see something that emphasizes that. That's also because I, I think one of the reasons the puzzles work so well, and especially a lot of the puzzles they selected is that some of them, like the one that Cat lost, was a very survivory puzzle. It, it was lots of pieces. It was very complicated. It wasn't, um, it wasn't just, you know, <laughs> a simple picture. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't counting. It wasn't anything <laughs> like that. But the counting one is one that, yes, it's a puzzle, but anybody can do it. I, I, I yeah. like seeing those puzzles. So there are, there, I feel like there are probably some more endurance-style challenges that... Um, would have been more balanced for all the body types. Cause I, there's also some that seem easier if you're tall and I, and I wouldn't want to see that either. I, I feel like there had to be a better way to have something. Cause I, every time I watch that challenge and we've seen it three different seasons, I think it's on just about every season to be honest with you. Jeremy. Yeah. Cause, cause I know like, we saw it. I know we saw it in season 40. Yeah. That, I, that's one that they bring back almost every year. That's their kind of go to, um, endurance thing like we saw it in uh, and sometimes they do a little different version of it sometimes they throw a pull up bar instead and you have to hang 
on the pull up bar. And I and I think the pull up the, the pull up bar there's one there there's one that I'm thinking of where you have to pull a handle down to a certain point. Yeah, and you hold the ball above your head or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and if it to, falls, yeah, I know what you're talking about. To, to me, that one feels like something that's a little more balanced uh, because the I've never gotten the feeling that the 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 handle has a lot of tension on it. You know, it's not like you have to be able to curl sixty pounds to be able to do it. So it, it, it and and usually those they have different size boxes that you're standing on to kind of account for the height differences. So there are just some that I think every time I watch that poll one, I'm like, it's one thing when that's an immunity challenge, because I, I think it's perfectly fair when it's an immunity challenge. There are some challenges you're not good at. There are some challenges that, you know, well, I can't do a puzzle, so I can't win this one. But yeah. I just would have liked for that final redemption challenge to be something that because as soon as I looked at it, I was like, there's no way John's going to win this. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. He can't. I mean, it's definitely tough. But I mean, I think that for me. You know, it was the perfect, like, bookend to that because it was like <laughs> you had folks like Brad that are physically dominant that get got knocked out because of inability to do puzzles. And then you have somebody who is so dominant at puzzles that gets knocked out on something where it's just endurance. Like, who yeah. wants it more? So I, I'm, I'm iffy on it. Like, I think you go either way. I think there probably are some better endurance um comps that they could have done but i do like the thought of an endurance competition being the end-all be-all instead of another puzzle yep 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 so we have after that uh the two laura b and john are gone laura m rejoins and we are merged um laura had the the immunity idol clue and she burned it and we go back to camp. There's lots of talking. First individual immunity is a memory challenge. It's just a straight up. I show you a symbol, a series of symbols. You show them back to me. Uh, th- th- collectively, they did not do well. They didn't make it through two full series of, of symbols. Um, which, I mean, again, at this point, they've been out on the island for almost three weeks. So it's not, I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying they did not do well. They didn't make it through uh, two full series of, of – it was 13 symbols. Cause I think it was, the first one was six and the second one was seven. And they had a winner after like 11 total symbols. Yeah. And then and, and Vetus beats RS out to win individual immunity, <laughs> which is foreboding because then RS gets voted out. And, yeah, and, I really thought and, that cop was for who went home. Like I think you yeah. loses, you go home. And I think in a lot of, especially, I think especially in a challenge like that, I know that in this season, it became even more magnified because it was two brothers. There, they, there had already been discussion of, hey, this is the strongest pair, both by by those two. Those two sat there and said, you know, it's us, man. If we can just stick together. We're the strongest pair. We can work together. We can get mm-hmm. to the end. Um, but the others also noticed that they were the strongest pair. They were the strongest combined yep. pair there. They both have physical capabilities as well as uh, mental capabilities. They're both well-connected. They're both well-liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Vetus was the only male in that female tribe that lost twice. And he managed to dodge that bullet twice, right? 
Right. And, or was and it just once? Really? No, it was twice. Because he got Cat out, and then he turned around and got Lara B out. And yeah. Look, he did it in a way where, like, you know. He you played him have, like a fiddle. <laughs> right. He did a really good job from, like, he is he is physically one of the better people on this season, just in terms of being able to win competitions, right? But he's also pretty smart. And, like, he strategically and, like, socially, he's got a really good social game. And you could say the same thing about Aris. Like, Aris was in really good with Jerv and uh, Monica and uh, Tyson right before the merge. Yeah. And you really thought, like, Aris had those that group of four to run with, and then you also had, you knew that... But his problem, and we're going to get into the whole talking a little too much in a second... His problem was he talked a lot about get, hooking up with Vetus, like getting to the merge to get Vetus over into their alliance. But, like, all they heard was he wants to get to the merge so he and his brother can dominate the game. They didn't hear, like, he wants to get to the merge so that we can add a number and be able to dominate to the end. They, they looked I at would... it very much as the pair, which I'm not saying it was wrong. But right. that's how it seemed to come across is that they they recognized that like it wasn't about just the alliance for him. Like he wanted to get to his brother so bad, talked about it a little too much, mentioned it a little too much, and that's ultimately what gets him voted out. And like he he and he and our I mean he and Vetus are the strongest like blood pair but i think there's an argument for tyson and jerv as being the best pair because they're also the best pair in terms of just not nobody else recognizing that they are a pair yeah well and and here's and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier is by not tribe swapping and not merging and or by not tribe swapping a little earlier we were robbed of of getting to see people play together but that also means everybody that went home and up until this point, like went home, home, Rupert and Laura B, John and Cat, or John and Candace were the yeah. only pairs that went home. Which means that's one, two, three, four of the pairs that are now without a partner. So it mm-hmm. went from those people kind of being in the minority to now you got an awful lot of people that don't have, and, and that became in that, in that first post merge episode, that became a big theme of, we have sort of almost even numbers of people who were in pairs and people who aren't in pairs and, mm-hmm. and kind of that, that power, that power struggle of, Who's going to take control, the pairs or the not pairs? And I really feel like Vetus and Aris, because of how powerful they were, how strong they are, and how balanced they are, Mm -hmm. either one of them would have been better off as far as winning the game, and they never would have realized this. They would have been better off if one of them was gone before the merge. I think if either of them is gone before the merge, Vetus or RS would have gone deep, deep in this game. Yeah, I mean, we don't know how far um, Vetus ends up going, right? Right. But I do think you're right. I think that Vetus, well, no, I take the back. Well, 
I go back and forth on it. So Aris has the disadvantage of already having one. Right. Right. And so like he's gonna be a target at some point. Vetus, on the other hand, is not in as good a position in terms of like bonding with the people without family members as Aris is, right? So right. Aris, Aris is in super good with the folks that are like loved oneless. So yeah. <laughs> Way of putting it, like he, he's in super good with those folks, versus Vitas is more actually in with the couples. Like he's really good with Tina, and he's you know really solid with. Uh, there's another one I'm missing, but anyway, it felt felt like at the time that like they were playing two very different games in terms of which group they were closer to, and for me, like. I agree. One of them could have gone deep. Aris has the former champion kind of playing against him. And Vetus probably had not made the right friends yet. But if Aris goes and he doesn't blame Tyson, Jerv, and uh, Monica and that group of folks, maybe he does get to play with them. And they do get to kind of carry Yeah, And but I really think this one particular challenge, because of how it's set up, you know, it, there there are a couple of different kinds base, beyond, you know, when you talk about puzzles or physical challenges or, or memory challenges or endurance. Beyond that distinction, there's really two basic kinds of survivor challenges, especially if we're talking about individual. There's the ones where everybody's working the whole time until somebody finishes their, um, somebody finishes their puzzle first. Right. Yeah. And then there's ones like this where people get eliminated. And what was really unfortunate for Vetus and Aris is that people got eliminated one by one until it was just them left. And it really put the spotlight on how strong that couple was in that first individual immunity perceptions, everything. They've, we have had one challenge at this point where it's every man for himself, and at the end, it was Vetus and Aris, and everybody saw it. And that was another thing that just – at the time, you're never going to think, I need to throw this. I need to throw this and let my brother just win it. But I think, I think they might have been better off if one of them had thrown it early or if one of them had just gotten out early. And they weren't the last two standing there with everybody else sitting on that bench going, oh, these guys are good. Yep. And, they're t- and they're tight. And mm-hmm. they're both connected. we got to get one of them out. And so yep. everything worked well for them. And then it worked not well for them. Right. I mean, because it definitely highlights this. I mean, they, they already had the opinion that they were the strongest pair. But then you get down to a final two of the first immunity challenge after the merge, and you're like, huh, huh, we were right. That's the strongest pair. Like, yeah. And, and, and the crazy thing about optics, Jeremy, is that if it's Tyson versus one of them, or it's those two plus Tyson, and Tyson ends up beating Aris or losing to Aris or losing to Vetus or beating Vetus, and the other brother goes out third. I don't know if the optics are the same, right? Like if there's just one person in between them, like nobody, it, you don't have time to really sit there and marinate on the fact that like, 
hey, they're a pair and they're the end. Like, it's more, oh, look at Aris, Vetus, and Tyson. They're the end. Oh, look at Aris and Tyson. Yeah, those two are really good. We got to watch those two, right? Like, it's it's different because there is no buffer. There's nobody and, in between. And I would guarantee you there are some people, and there are some people that are super strategic with those votes. But I would guarantee you there are some people that sit there at the because I would be tempted to have this thought process, especially if there's nobody that's really jumped out as a huge threat to me. We've just had the merge. There's eleven of us. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna vote for whoever finishes second in the first individual immunity challenge because that means that's somebody who could win the next one and the next one and the next one. And I want to not have somebody build that kind of resume. So if somebody finishes second in the first immunity, that's going to be my first thought. Now I may be able to, I may come off of that. I'm not going to go back to camp and go, no, no, no. Tyson finished second. That's my vote. But my initial thought coming out of the immunity challenge is like, I'm leaning towards this person who almost won immunity. Mm -hmm. That's who, that's who I'm leaning towards. And so when you've got that playing in, and it's both both parts of this power couple. You know, they're brothers, but both parts of this power couple are the final two. And we've already established they're the strongest. And, and, and it becomes really obvious that that's the vote. What I told you from uh, an episode or two before that, that I thought our Servita should have already been gone. Like, if I'm playing on their team, I've already sent them home by this point because – I recognize that we're getting close to a merge, especially like a Tyson or a Jervis. Like, you know, the merge is about to hit. Now's the time to take out one of those brothers before we even get to the, the merge. Because what you don't want to have happen is we talk about folks going on, on immunity runs. Like there's a chance that Aris wins one week. Vetus wins the next week. Aris wins one week. Vetus. You know what I mean? Like, and by week, I mean episode, but like, because I keep forgetting, like, I watch it in weeks, but it's only, like, three days. But, like, if they, they could have easily gone back and forth on, on immunities. Um, and and I would have I would have taken them out before the merge. So, Justin, we've alluded to this a little bit already, but there has become something of a running theme on this season of people costing themselves their game or somebody else's game or, or just in general. Because they just talk too much. They just say the wrong thing at the wrong time or they talk too much. The first one I can think of, and, and maybe you can think of somebody else, the first one I can think about is Brad. I mean, from the beginning, he got himself in trouble by saying on the first day on the island, or second day on the island, I guess, that that he would basically, you know, he would consider throwing a challenge so that his wife could have a tarp. And... He continues to, you know, he got himself voted out because he straight, he, he at, at tribal, he went too far and gave Caleb the impression that Caleb was in trouble because Caleb didn't have a loved one on the other side gets voted out. Um, then after that, I think it was cat, right? She, she was the next one to get herself in trouble mm-hmm. by, by talking too much. Um, yeah, because Kat come, came back to camp. This wasn't entirely her fault. That was the challenge that Tina and Laura B. threw. Tina should have felt more uncomfortable than she did. And Kat came to her and said they were thinking about voting out um, Monica. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or try to get Tina to flip on Monica. 
And Tina went back to camp and told everybody, got cat voted out. Um, then what was next? Oh, yeah. The girls. We had the tribe swap. <laughs> and they, and the, the girls had decided that they were going to vote Vetus out because that made a lot of sense to them. Laura B. gets back to camp and in front of everybody, in front of everyone, says, Vetus, I just wanted to come clean with you. And this is where Vetus played them all like a fiddle because he had built this like – I trust you. I trust you. I I, want to be vulnerable with you. I want to tell you about my life. And I think some of that was, was, was genuine, but some of it was also game. And he opened them up to the point that Laura B felt compelled to tell Vetus, listen, all us gals talked and we lost that super close, uh, immunity challenge. And now you're We're going to vote you out. And I thought the episode was so well edited because we didn't immediately get to see their reaction. And I'm sitting there watching it. Folks, to pull back the curtain a little bit, normally Justin and I watch episodes together. And in this case, we watched them separately because our schedules didn't line up. And I'm sitting there watching, and I'm like, are these people okay with this? That she's just telling Vetus that they've decided they're going to vote him out? And then we got the delayed gratification of hearing the, the... the confessional reactions from the other players. Like, dude, why would she do that? Why would she tell him? Mm-hmm. And she got herself voted out. And then I think there was another one. Oh yeah. <laughs> After Laura B gets voted out and they come and they, and they come back to camp and there's an alliance of Tina, Katie, RS, Vetus, and Jervis that, you know, everybody's kind of established that we're going to be, um, Monica and Monica. Yeah. It, 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 she was the sixth. Um, everybody's kind of established that the, the bird is coming soon and they're discussing who they're going to pull in from the other side. And there was a group that was all together and they were talking about bringing in. It was, so it was, yeah, it was Tina, Katie, Vetus and Monica were talking and they were talking about how, well, obviously Vetus will we'll pull RS over. And I think we can get Jervis. I think Vetus is close to Jervis. We can get Jervis. And Tina just out and out says, with Monica standing there, that, well, you know, we should bring Jervis in, but he's got to be sixth in the pecking order, essentially, is what she's saying, because Monica, Monica, is, is, her loyalty has earned her fifth. And the weird part about that is no one else had listed out in order who, who, was, who was the highest ranking members of this, this alliance. And not only does she establish that there is a pecking order, but she tells Monica to her face that she's fifth. Justin, that is an awful lot right there in a row of people who just talk too much. Yeah. It it was funny that we, like, had similar reactions to it, but, like, I was watching it about an hour behind you or so, or two hours behind you or something. Yeah. And it was just super strange for me to, to not watch it with you. And you were like, Justin, I got to tell you, like, I want to tell you something, but I can't. I'm like, well, go ahead and do it. And you're like, no, 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 I'll wait. And it was great. Like when I got to the part and I was like, oh my gosh. And you were like, yep, that was it. You got there. You're there. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, to see three just, and it was from folks like, Laura B makes sense. Like she's never played the game before. She thinks she's doing the right thing by being an honorable, nice person. 
But, like, Tina's won this game before. <laughs> like, that is a massive misstep for somebody. It's a massive one. And it didn't cost her because they were going to the merge. And, and, and kind of the thought process flips, right? Because yeah. uh, you go from, listen, we can't have this leaky, leak, loose lips sink ships. We can't have this leak in our, in our alliance to, oh, now I love having a train wreck in my alliance because that's somebody who I can, I can leverage them right out of the game. You know, Tina's already, that's one, two, three, four people. She's already ticked off. I'm good. Um, and she got lucky because I thought her misstep was probably the worst, but it didn't result in her getting voted out. Um, Laura B, it's just inexperience, I guess, mm-hmm. but it was still, I was shocked that she would say that in front of everybody. Yeah, like, that one was, like, the worst one in the sense of, like, consequences for saying it. Like, right. it was immediate. Like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, since she did that, she's gone. Like, I mean, it, it was almost like they didn't really even have to talk about it. They did go talk about it, but they didn't really have to talk about it. Like, the minute she opened her mouth, she was going home. Like, that was it. And it made everything awkward because Laura's, like, I just hope that we can have a good day together. And Venus is like, why would I want that? <laughs> why, right. why would I want to hang out with you people when you just told me you're going to vote me out? And I want to be clear about this because I feel like you and I have discussed on this podcast that I have maintained that there is a time to tell someone there is a time where a tool in your bag could be to tell someone that you're going to vote for them. I want to be clear. This is not that time. This is, yeah, this is, you've argued against it the whole time and, and, and you're probably right. And I do, I still have yet to see the the case where I think it's a good time to do it. There's probably a good time, but it never really comes up. So it just doesn't. Perfect example, Amanda and Denise. All right. In China. Right. Because she's in a position where like. It was the final four was, the final four was Amanda, Denise. Courtney and Todd, Amanda, Courtney and Todd are going to vote for Denise. Amanda would have been better suited to go to Denise because what she did is she went to Denise and told her, I'm not going to vote for you, essentially. When she knew she was going to, not only did that tick Denise off, but lying to Denise and seeing how it affected Denise ruined Amanda's game and rattled her at Final Tribal to where she had no chance against Todd. Well, see, personally, I would have just voted, voted Todd. Yeah. Send them, yeah. Send them to fire. Let Todd win. And then there's, I mean. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. There's lots of ways to handle that. That's the, the way, way of, handle it. And Amanda handled it in the worst way possible. Because I think a good middle ground would have been to say, Denise. And I think specifically with Denise, she is right. the type of person you could go to and say, Denise, we feel like the right move is voting you out. I didn't I don't want to. I didn't want to get to this point. But I think we both know that. The longer you and I were in this game together, one of us was going to have to vote the other one out. That's just the way it was going. That's just the way it was going to happen. That's where we are, and I'm telling you, everybody else is on the same boat because we know if we let you sit next to us at Final Tribal, you're the kind of person who could beat us, and we need to get you out. And if she had said that, she might have won that season. Maybe, yeah. And I think there are times where maybe it works. Like it's a long shot, and I still would prefer to be safe about it and just like. 
you know, obviously Amanda was in a different spot. She point blank asked her, hey, are you voting for me? And lying to her is the worst possible thing. Right. Um, right. But in, in, a, in most circumstances, if you, if you were in a position, especially the way Laura B was, she didn't have to tell well, that it's anything. Like, she, she's a nice person and all, but I just, I'm not being like, and especially after I saw how Vetus flipped the previous vote, I'm definitely not even going to remotely come up with a plan where I'm going to Venus and be like, hey, by the way, I think that maybe you might be going home tonight. I'm not even going to give him the ammunition to go spin a weave with some, or, you know, spin a web, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, weave a web of, of, of deception, which he has clearly, he's good at. And like, I just even, I wouldn't even give him the ammunition. And Laura B not only gave him the ammunition, but he didn't really have to fire, fire the shot. She fired him on her own. Well, and, and the, the difference here is when you're talking about an Amanda Denise situation, you're talking to a jury member. Denise is definitely on the jury and she's the jury member with the most information and the freshest memories. So managing that jury member, there's a case to be made that maybe honesty works with that person. But in this case, you're pre-merge. There is a very good chance that this person you're voting out has no bearing over whether you're going to be a millionaire or not. So there is no reason to worry about Oh, but if we if we vote Vetus out and we don't tell him, he's going to be upset with us. Who cares? He is going to – if you just shut your mouth and let him get sent to Redemption Island, there's a real good chance that he's gone and you're never going to see him. Or rather, you won't see him again until the reunion when he's there and has not cast a vote for whether you win a million dollars or not. There was just no reason to do it pre-merge. And in front of everybody, that's the other thing. Even in the Amanda situation, I wouldn't advocate telling Denise in front of Courtney and Todd because they might not like that and they might vote you out. So especially pre-merge, talking to somebody who's not going to be on the jury by all, in, in all likelihood and in front of everybody, everyone was there. It was just unfathomable, unfathomable. And but even still, I still wonder if the if the Tina situation was even worse because it was just an unforced error. We talk about you know if you follow sports, there's unforced errors, and yeah. all of these were unforced errors. None of this had to happen. Yeah, the, the Tina one's the worst, but she's almost saved by the fact that there's a merge, and you don't really get a chance to go after her. And, I mean, personally, though, I think it's about the slow burn of this. Monica has been told basically where they plan to take her out. If I'm Monica, I don't try to take Tina out right now. I know that Tina wants to get me to five. If if I know Tina wants to get me to five, guess where I cut Tina? I cut Tina at six. Yeah. Just, just straight up. Like, you've given me a roadmap to how you want the game to play out. That's fine. I'll make sure we make a detour at six and make sure you go home before I do. And I get to keep running at past five. Like that's, that's like Tina's is the biggest mistake for her own game. But I do think that it's possible that it's also the one mistake that doesn't necessarily have repercussions right away. And that like, that may be the moment that you look back at the end of the season and say, that's where Tina lost the game. 
even though she didn't reap the reap the uh, repercussions until three episodes later, four episodes later, heck, she could go home at four. Like that might be that might be the moment you look back at the end of the season. And you're like, yep, the moment that she told Monica she was fifth is the moment that she sunk her own ship. But we don't necessarily get to see it. Like it's more tangible evidence that like Laura B's mistake cost her her game because she went home. Same thing with with Cat. Like her mistake of of going and telling Tina about Monica, we get to immediately see the result and the consequences of doing that. Tina, we don't automatically get to see the result of it, so we don't know if it's going to cost her. But there's a possibility that she goes further in the game. And then it cost her, which may even be more like if I'm going to make an unforced error, I'd rather make that unforced error that cost me my game on, you know, day 24. So I can go to Ponderosa and start filling up on cheeseburgers. Then for my mistake to occur on, on day 24 and day 34 is when they decide to send me home. Well, and, and, and you don't No, it does. Because another thing is you, you also don't deal with the, False hope. You don't deal with the, oh, well, that was a smart play and I'm still playing. And really, you're the chicken who already has, who already had its head cut off. You already lost the game and you didn't even know it. You were just, thought you were cruising along. Right. And now you're, you find out, you know, a week later that, oh, I was doomed as soon as I said that. Right. But you talk you talk about a slow burn. Another slow burn that was really interesting is at some point it was was it after the tribe swap when um all the all the guys started telling Tyson the clues that John and Brad had told yeah. them? Is that when that was? Yeah. So they they were like, Oh, Tyson, we love you. We remember your season. By the way, uh, here's here's all the information we have from our previous tribe. Let's work together. Um, by the way, part of that information is going to be the stuff that Brad and John told us. <laughs> yeah, it was just really weird. It was, again, another unforced error. Tyson, they didn't have to tell Tyson anything. They told him the location of the immunity idol and, and the clues and they couldn't figure out anything with it. Well, Tyson being a veteran and being just one of the better players in survivor history, here's these clues. Didn't even have to read the paper. He heard the clues. And then after the merge, he goes and finds the immunity idol. And uh, early on in the season, it was harder to see where we were going with this, but, Tyson has really started taking the reins on this season. Yeah, I mean, it's almost for me, and I told you this, I love my survivor arcs. I have I have some some, some severe like arc not arc obsession, but like I enjoy watching the arcs play out. And for me, he goes from the smart ass and token chains mm-hmm. to the guy that got voted out. He voted himself out in Heroes vs. Villains to finally, like, he is still the smartass. Like, he's still that guy in this season, but it's a lovable smartass. You know what I mean? Like, he he is still saying similar things to what he's saying in Token Chains. But one, he's not saying it to the people. But two, 
it's in confessional and you just you're almost like yeah that's what i'd be thinking at that moment too man like yeah right he really grew because in token chains he would say some of these awful jerk things to the people and in real life you know if if you want to if you can't say something nice don't say something at all if you're going to say something about somebody say it to their face but in survivor that's just not the case and he figured out between those three seasons, he figured out in this season how to say those things that he was thinking in confessional. And at least for, at least from what we can see, when he is in his camp, he is supportive. He's building relationships. He's helping people, even when he's not helping people. Because one thing we saw, um, towards the end of the tribal phase was he had convinced those people that eating all the rice was the right thing to do. That was that the just, funniest thing. That you just you just eat all that rice. You just eat it all. You don't you don't save it. You just eat it. And he was like, "So I'm eating a lot of rice because that's I've convinced these people that, was, that that's the right thing to do." It was at the merge feast. They're sitting there eating, and some of those folks were like, "Man, this is the best meal I've had in weeks. I've been starving. I'm so hungry." And Tyson's like, "Yeah, man, me too. Like I sure sure have been needing this meal." They cut to the confessional, and Tyson goes. I'll be honest with y'all. I haven't gone to sleep hungry one night since I've been here because I've been filling up on all the rice. Cause I convinced everybody, Hey, you're supposed to eat max rice at every meal, uh, from day one because, <laughs> and, and they don't really question it. Cause I've been on survivor twice. <laughs> and even if it's not really the right thing to do, it sure is keeping my belly full. So I'm not going to say anything. And it's well, and it, perfect. It was so hilarious to hear him like talk. It's it's almost like Tom Brady getting Twitter. Is yeah, that, is that a good analogy of this? It's like absolutely. We all thought Tom Brady was this just stoic uh, jerk. This man gets Twitter, and he is hilarious. Like, yeah, top five Twitter account to follow, in my opinion, is Tom Brady because dude is just hilarious. Like he's memeing himself and. That's really what Tyson feels like is the the old veteran who is really good at what he does, who has figured out ways to like create memes on Twitter in the middle of the Survivor season out of his castmates and out of himself. And this time, I mean, there's some where like he did say, who was it that was talking to him? And he it was Monica, I believe it was. And when Monica talks, he wants to stick rusty spoons in his eyes. Um. <laughs> But other but than beforehand, that, beforehand, though, Jeremy, he would have told Monica, hey, listen to your voice makes me want to stick rusty spoons in my eyes. Right. And I know this because I'm pretty sure that might be exactly what he told the girl in season in, in Token Jeans. Sierra. Sierra. They, he basically told her this. Like, And while it was voice, funny, that's what got him voted off. Right. Is like, because he was like unnecessarily rude. And he's like, listening to you makes me just want to die. <laughs> it was almost that exact thing. And he, as much as I like Tyson later on, he deserved that vote off in token chains. He got himself voted off because he got focused on how much he disliked Sierra. And he, I think he got in his own head a little bit to where he thought that everyone else felt as strongly about Sierra as he did and didn't realize that everybody else was like, Oh yeah, she, she is kind of annoying. And so when it became, later where it was more advantageous to just vote him out because he's won two or three immunity challenges and she hasn't. It wasn't hard for Sierra to sway everybody. Whereas here so far he's been very good at 
coming off, you know, when he's interacting with his tribe mates, he comes off as a really supportive, jovial, um, fun dude to be around who's helping out. He's leading. He's uh, organizing things. He's doing really a good job. When behind the scenes, he's really like, I, I hate all these people. I'm going to vote them all off. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's a really fun dynamic to watch. Yeah, I, I love Tyson. This is probably the best version of Tyson. Like, his art finishes out in Season 40. And he's pretty decent in Season 40. Like, he, he had some fun moments. Like, he wins he wins the EOE return, but then goes immediately right back out. Like, just, you know, you didn't get to see enough of him, I thought, in Season 40. And kind of got overshadowed by some of the other folks um, who were just playing a stronger season. But... I think he fell in. I think he fell in between on season forty because you yeah. had the the straight like Tyson to me is is one of my favorite players that I've watched. Right, but he he's not in the royalty category. Even if we even if he should be, he's not in the royalty category of uh, Sandra and Rob and Parv and uh, Amber because she's married to Rob and Ethan. And he's and Tony. He's not. And but even before season forty, Tony wasn't in that category. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So, so in season forty, he's not in that class, but he's also not in the newer big personalities, uh, new school, um, idol runs. Um, not somebody who we're looking at as somebody who's going to win immunity every time. He's not. He's not a Ben that's, that's super disliked because he's just he's three seasons out from being on the island. So he kind of fell in that in between where he he didn't he just wasn't a priority for the edit I didn't think right and in this season he gets such a good edit like they did a really good job of editing him as the win like as a winner without giving it away um, because you obviously know I mean he didn't win his first two seasons you know that this is the season that like he's on winners at war so like that kind of not the spoiler alert but. Um, it pretty much, I think it pretty much said every time he was on the screen that he, uh, on for winners at war, that he was the winner of blood versus water. So right. I, I knew, I knew that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you knew that, but like for those listening at home, sorry for the spoiler, but, um, if you hadn't watched season 40, which I highly advise you go do that. It's one of my favorite seasons, but I say that to say, like, if you're just watching this live, like at this stage, like you're feeling like Tyson is the front runner, but you, like they're still, he's still got to navigate some things. It's really similar to the edit that Tony got in Winners at War, where like there was a, a point in the season I told you, I messaged you during Winners at War, and I said, Jeremy Tony's winning the season. Like, and you were like, Yeah, but Justin, he's got to, he's got to navigate a lot to get to the end. Like, there, I, I'm not seeing it yet. And I was like, No, Jeremy, like, this is the edit. Like, he is going to win. And you were like, yeah, but I mean, he's got to do a lot more like navigation. That really feels like we're at that point for Tyson, but it's starting to crank up. Like the intensity level of like Tyson starting to run the season is starting to, to, to really grow. And it's fun. Like you said, he's one of my favorite players to ever play the game and to kind of see his art peak, so to speak. Um, well, in this season is great. When that final piece clicked in for me was with that immunity idol because we saw him come into the tribe, manipulate that tribe into letting him eat food, manipulate (laughs) that tribe into 
like he intentionally made RS. He planted the seeds that RS was the bigger threat of the three of of the trio of him, Jervis, and uh, RS. Because it was him it, when those tribes merged. It was him, Jervis, and RS joining Caleb, um, Sierra, and Hayden, <laughs> and he established that even though he and Jervis were a pair working together and actually had the power, he really leaned hard on making Aris look like the, look like the ringleader of that three and look like the, the bigger threat didn't pay off in that for that group. Cause they just won the next two immunities. But right. when the, but when the, when the merge happened, everybody who was in that group had already had that seed planted that King Aris, Sir Aris, he's the one running the show. And he had already manipulated them into that, but just the, the, the icing on the cake for me was that when he just, by just being affable and approachable and, um, uh, seeming like a good resource on the island, he got them to cough up the details to that immunity idol. Now he had help on that because I think the, uh, the, the newbies had gotten so accustomed to anything about the immunity idol being poison. But they forgot, if you just be quiet and go get that immunity idol, nobody's going to know. <laughs> and and they yeah. just kind of treated that immunity idol like poison, whereas Tyson was like, so now I know where the immunity idol is, and I'm going to go get it. And he just did. And that's where it turned for me. That's where it went from Tyson is one of the people that's in control to he is running this show. Yeah, that yeah, it was a big turning point in the season, and just as we continue past this merge, um, I'm excited for the rest of the season. This has been one of my favorite seasons, um, even on a rewatch. Like this is, this is, this is slowly like on the rewatch is actually creeping up my list of favorite seasons because I kind of forgot how much I enjoyed it, and really just breaking down how again how well the theme works. I just think this is a great theme for returners and newbies to be battling it out. Um, I know we've got a newbie season version of this that we'll eventually get to um, at some point um, down our rewatch line. Um, well, and, and what I like about this is and it, it, nothing they planned, but the players that I really didn't like were gone pretty early. There's not anybody really left that's just not enjoyable to watch. There's there's a lot of players that are left right now. There there are some that I'm not fired up to watch. Like I don't really I mean, if you're a Tina fan, I'm sorry, but I'm not fired up to watch Tina play the game right now. But I don't dislike watching her play the game. And this is one of the first seasons we watched where there's not a John Robert that hangs out post merge for way farther than he should, and he's just not any fun to watch. There's none of those people. They're all at, at worst, neutral players to me, and that makes it for a fun watch. And I, I, I'm anxious to see and, and excited to see how that develops. How we are there players that I start to dislike more, or does the fact that there isn't anyone that I dislike going to make it less satisfying down the road? I'm, 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 I'm excited to see which way it goes. Yeah, no, I, I am too, and um, yeah, I think it's just been a fun season, man, and I, I'm excited to watch these next few episodes, and um, I don't know if we'll get to watch them together, because um, I know we got to crank up the intensity on these on the watches, just because we've, 
we've got just a couple more weeks before 41, which I think is just really awesome, right? Like we, we've gotten to a point where we're almost about to get another new season of Survivor. And, you know, with everything that's happened over the last year with, with COVID, I don't know about you, but like I am probably as pumped as ever to watch a new season of Survivor. But also like this Blood versus Water season has really got me excited to get that started, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This is a good I think because there's 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 less uh contention, there's less characters to really hate on this one. Yeah. And and, and it, 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 it's it's a very uplifting season. It's a good pump up season to get to a new season. And I'm looking forward to it and we'll uh we'll get back at it and we'll watch some more episodes and, and we'll we'll come back to you next week. Have a good one, Justin. Have a good one, Bob.